so this morning I spoke about love. And uh, if you weren't here, you probably should watch the live stream. Um, <laughs> no, it was, actually, it was actually quite raw. It was quite vulnerable. And um, I was crying before it even started. So uh, it, was a good, it was a good morning, right? Um, a couple of you were there. And uh, so this is kind of part two. Um, <clears throat> but I, I just feel stirred to change it up. So I'm not sure where we're going to land this evening. Um, so bear with. So this is part two. This morning I was talking about kingdom of love and essentially Jesus showing us uh, the way to love. Um, Jesus is the, the direct manifestation of God on earth, right? Showing us that love is actually selfless. Love is when you lay down your life for somebody. Love looks like what Jesus did. And so uh, that's what we were going after this morning. And this, this evening I feel to take that kind of to the next level and talk about how love is actually spiritual warfare. Okay? So, uh, <clears throat> yeah, we'll see, we'll see what happens. Uh, so <laughs> love is spiritual warfare. And I want to I give you some tools tonight. I want to give you some tools. Um, <clears throat> had a picture when we were in worship, uh, which I thought was unusual. Um, so I'll just share it. But I saw a bunch of us with like, collars on, like dog collars, um, harnesses, and, and we had leashes. And there was this, <clears throat> there, there was this sense that we were being held back from loving, being held back from fully living and giving ourselves to what God has for us because of whatever reason. You know, like, oh, I'm, I'm chained to this, like there's a, there's a, there's a leash and it might be it might feel like bondage. It might feel like uh, I just can't let go of something or uh, some of the collars had spikes on them. So they were like defense mechanisms and things like that. But it just, whatever it is that restricts us from being vulnerable and actually uh, allowing intimacy to be a normal thing, um, right? Intimacy is a part of love. So, uh I have a feeling that that's because we haven't learned how to do spiritual warfare well, right? We are, we're caught up in an in intergalactic war, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's between God and the enemy. Now, there no, are no way equals, right? God is omnipotent. He's om- omniscient. He's omnipresent. He's the omnibus, right? The enemy is not, right? But the enemy is he is spitting mad at you. Uh, he, is, um, he is really, really angry. <laughs> and the, the number one reason is that you have what he, he can never have. You have the image and likeness. You, you're creating the image and likeness of God. He does not have the image and likeness of God. He also cannot love, can't receive love, can't give love, won't have love, is envious of you. You, <laughs> I mean, God paid the ultimate act of love, right? Like giving his son, dying for us, dying for humanity. He didn't do that for the fallen angels. So there's this uh, just vehement anger that the enemy has towards us as humans. No fault of our own. <laughs> but he can't experience love. And so his sole existence is wrapped up in uh, ripping you off. Yeah? Anyone experienced any of that ever? 
Yeah, okay. Uh, destroying your life. Yeah, distracting you. Um, binding you up uh, in self-preservation. Yeah, and ultimately um, bringing you darkness, into darkness, right? So that your soul can't experience the love of God or you can't express the love of God. Yeah, so the thing is, though, his only weapon, and his only weapon is illusion. His only weapon is illusion, and his only authority is actually the authority that you have. Right, that's why they call him the usurper. He, 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 using illusion, he makes you think that he is powerful, that he's scary, um, that he has power and authority, but actually the only authority is the authority that you have as it's your God-given dominion, and he will steal that if we agree with him. So warfare is something that we're caught up in regardless of whether we want to be or not, okay? It doesn't go away if you're not ready for it. It doesn't, uh, God and the enemy don't take holidays, um, you know, no matter what. Uh, they actually don't even sleep, right? Some of you relate to that, but um, we pray, pray afterwards. Um, so every, every situation in your life is either um, a, a battle simulation like training ground or it's the real thing. Okay, so either God's training you or it's the real fight. And every, sing, every single situation in our lives is either one or the two. There's no default middle ground. Okay, you can't just stay in the gray. Um, yeah. So we do need to be equipped. We need to be equipped with knowledge and, and skills. Like, how do we fight? How do we fight this battle? What does that look like? You know, I've never been punched in the face. Has anyone been punched in the face before? Heaps of you, eh? Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, and that's not true. I have been punched in the face lots of times. Um, I've never punched anyone in the face. That's different, okay? Catherine's like, I've punched people in the face all the time. <laughs> no, um, no, I've never punched anyone in the face. I'm not a pacifist, but like every time I've come to a fight, I've just kind of like curled up in a ball or run away or turned my back and, you know, taken it. Um, <clears throat> even when it's the whole first 15 or the All Blacks or... Yeah, uh, I, I don't know why. I'm not, uh, at the time, I, it's not even that I've been scared. It's just, I don't know, maybe I didn't want to unleash the beast. <sighs> yeah. <laughs> but, but in the spirit, I've had my fair share of offensive training, right? Um, you know, training exercises where God like equips you and, and to fight the battle. Yeah. So the Holy Spirit has this, enthusiasm for you yeah this unabashed enthusiasm for you where he is so excited at you succeeding he is like your cheerleader he's your come alongside friend and he is like irrepressibly cheerful for you uh because well because he loves you right he loves you he loves you he wants uh to see good things happen in your life he wants to see you uh, set up for a win. I was talking to this guy, Lincoln, out there a couple of weeks ago. Do you guys remember Link? Yeah, anyway, he was down in Queenstown, and he said that uh, a bunch of guys stole his sandwich, his lunch. And uh, he was really upset about it, so he chased one of them. And then eight of the guys, uh, he may have been exaggerating, but literally eight of these guys were really interested in his lunch. So eight guys beat him up. And, 
yeah, must have been a real good sandwich. Um, but he took a pummeling, but he was really proud of it because he was just looking to land one on them. So he didn't really care how many bumps and bruises and everything he got. He was just like, yes, uh, I got to land one on them. And I was like, okay, man. Um, but, I, but you know what? Like, the Holy Spirit loves a good fight. And um, because we're in it, regardless of whether you want to be or not, okay? And a good fight is one that you win. Is that fair to say? Well, good, I'll put it this way. A good fight isn't one that you lose, right? I've been in a number of those, and they don't, they don't feel good. Um, got my skateboard stolen. <laughs> uh, see, see, often God allows in his wisdom what he could easily prevent uh, by his power. It's not my line, but I'll give it to you again. God, <laughs> it's honestly not my line. <laughs> but I love it. I've been mulling on it for 10 years. Uh, God allows in his wisdom what he could prevent in his power. Yeah. So stuff's happening in our lives, and we have to learn to relish the fight. We have to learn that actually, um, in fact, you have to want it because it's going to be there whether you like it or not. And God's raising an up, up an army. Yeah? He's raising an up army. He's not raising up a bunch of blousy Sunday coffee drinkers. All right? We're not called to be, you know, pansy, soft, frolicking around. And we're, like, we're engaged in warfare. It's a battle. So that's, that's what he's equipping us for. Yeah? What, what that looks like might, you know, involve that. But, <laughs> sure. <laughs> Um, we have to hit a time, though, as believers, where we're overcoming in life. You know, uh, I think that, um, yeah, I, I've told this story a couple of times, but, but Jesus says this line that I, I send you out as a lamb amongst wolves. Yeah. And uh, I, I share this story. Some of you might have heard it. God gave me an object lesson of this uh, scripture one time. I was on the side of... Uh, I was on an island in the jungle on the side of a volcano, um, just where we were living at the time. And I was, I know, as you do, and I was running down this um, volcano uh, in the jungle, right? It was like Jumanji. And, and it was dark because the island gets dark at five o'clock every day. And I left in the light and I was coming back in the dark. And I was running down, I was listening to my uh, iPod. Do you remember them? Uh, yeah. <laughs> And it was on shuffle, and I was listening to that, and my headlamp went out, and I was like, oh, man, like jungle track roots and you know, all that sort of stuff. So I was, but I was going downhill, and I was like, oh, I'll just commit and run fast. And, um, and that scripture came onto my, my iPod uh, that I send you out as a, a lamb amongst wolves. As I kept running, it shuffled, and the next track was like someone like Patricia King or something, and she was preaching that very scripture. And then it shuffled onto somebody else, and they said the exact same thing. And I was like, whoa, what's going on? What are you doing? Well, you know, that, I don't believe in coincidences, but you're setting me up for something. And as I exited the bush line, and I came straight out into the, like, the clearing, there were six dogs there. 
It was an object lesson of God teaching me what Scripture is about. And I'm running <clears throat> real fast now, <clears throat> and, uh, and there's these six dogs chasing me. You know, like, yeah. <laughs> savage beasts, wolves chasing me, trying to, like, nip at my ankles and, like, and so I just got faster and faster. I was like, whoo, yeah. I was so amped, honestly. I was just pumped, you know. But you've got to, you've got to know that God sends you out as a lamb, but your best friend is a lion, and you're living life in his shadow, right? And I was never more aware of the presence of God, like protecting me, nurturing me. I probably did another K with these dogs chasing me, and one by one, they slowly just sort of popped off to the side. I was grateful they didn't follow me home. <laughs> um, but it was this object lesson of God showing me truth that he will never forsake me, that he's with me in every battle, in every fight, that it's actually the love of God that I can lean into because I'm his son. Have we got any of those images? That, is that going to work? No. Nah. Cancel that. <clears throat> All right. Moving on. Um, so we've got to get to this point where we're not just struggling from one trauma to the next and that actually we're going beyond the place where our lifestyle causes us to be exposed to the enemy. Uh, because, you know, flies are attracted to rotting flesh. Yeah? Um, do you want me to illustrate that one? <laughs> flies are attracted to rotting flesh. And... Uh, the carnality that we get involved in gives the enemy the audacity to come and usurp our authority. In other words, it gives them legal rights. Yeah? So we're dabbling in something over here, thinking that it's in secret and private and no one's going to know and we're all good and we can rock up at church and uh, worship God. And he forgives us and he does. And there's grace to cover all that. But Actually, we're still giving the enemy access to our lives, and the flies are still hanging around. You can apply that however you like. Yeah. Uh, so, I want to hit um, the scripture of Samuel, First Samuel 17. Okay, probably won't come up, so we'll just talk to it. Uh, it's about David and Goliath. Yep, everyone familiar with that story? Love this story. But there's a war between Israel and the Philistines. And uh, there's this daily challenge that goes out by Goliath. So Goliath comes to the front. And Goliath's like uh, 2.8 meters tall. I'm about one point that. And so he's a lot taller than me. He's 280 kgs. Big lad, right? Mama loves him. Um, his shield weighs around 60 kgs. Anyone want to claim that? Who's, who are we lifting? Yeah, right. <laughs> um, the tip of his spear, chuck me that weight, right? The, the tip of his spear is 7 kgs, right? That's 7 kgs. Gideon, hold that. That's the tip of his spear. Yeah, just see how long you can hold it up for. Nice. <laughs> don't, don't, you'll be there all night. It's not a challenge. So Israel is petrified. They're in their camp. They're hiding away. This guy's intimidating them. And David comes out to deliver his brothers some sandwiches, right? 
peanut butter, banana, raisin, honey, sandwiches. Yeah, that's real good. I, yeah, I had it today. It was in my Bart Simpson recipe book when I was a kid. And um, <clears throat> anyway, and David turns up and he's stoked. He's like, yeah, I get to see a fight, right? Because he's been out bush, uh, or countryside on the plains, with the sheep for a long time. Um, doesn't talk to a lot of folk. And so everyone's cowering in their tents. Even the king is cowering away. Yeah? And none of the mighty men of Israel are there. None of them had responded to the challenge. They're all there. They just hadn't responded to the challenge. And he's a youth, right? So he's like 17, and he's pretty. It says that he was ruddy. I think that means pretty boy, which I was at that age, so I know how he felt. Uh, He's not built for rugby, right? Size doesn't matter unless you know God, and then it does. (laughs) Yeah. Um, I said that back to front, eh? Yeah, size does matter unless you know God, and it doesn't. Yeah, you got it. I was just trying not to look at anyone, so it wasn't awkward. Um, (laughs) The whole point, though, about warfare is the greatness of God's love for you, the greatness of God's love for you needs to fill your heart, right? Because you can go into any environment, any situation, you can face any battle if you know that the greatness of God's love fills your heart and there's this lion beside you who is overshadowing you. So along comes this boy. He's smaller physically than Goliath, but he's bigger spiritually. And he knows what intimacy with the Father looks like, right? He's been out in the field with his harp worshiping day after day, night after night. You know, he's fought the lion. He's fought the bear. Uh, He spent his days in the fields worshiping. He was a lover, right? He was romantic. He was like wooing this woo relationship with God. There was intimacy there. But the guy, David doesn't even have a sword, right? Saul tries to dress him up as his armor. He's like, hey, put on my cloak, put on my thing, put on my helmet. But you just, you can't wear somebody else's uniform. Like if, if you don't have, uh, if you haven't learned to hold a sword yet, maybe you just don't need one, right? Maybe um, that, that's not just right for you yet. Maybe you poke your eye out or something. So God's like, that's fine. Sticking some stones will do. A couple of blunt instruments. Actually, here we go. Uh, there's my stones. <laughs> I got them out of the garden earlier. Smooth, five smooth stones. Okay. And some of you might say, well, uh, why, why did David pick up five stones? There's only one Goliath. I thought he was a man of faith. We well, had four brothers. No, I'm serious. I don't know. Did I read that somewhere? Goliath had four brothers. Yeah. And so he's like, well, if this is going to be a family fight, um, I'll take you all out. (laughs) Yeah. And so there's got to be a point in warfare um, where actually everything that that God puts into our hands uh, will increase and multiply to get the job done. And so in 1 Samuel 17, verse 42, which is coming up behind me, just kidding. um, (laughs) I'll, I'll find it. Hang on. Uh, Bubble Gateway. <laughs> there we go. Um, what verse did I say? No, I'm serious. What verse did I say? I don't remember. Okay, thank you. Um, 42, scrolling. Here we go. David says to the Philistines, You come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty. 
the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day, the Lord will deliver you into my hands, punk. And I'm going to strike you down, and I'm going to cut off your head, even though I haven't got a sword, just going to stick. And this day, this very day, I'm going to give the carcasses of all the Philistines, all your brothers and sisters, to the birds and the wild animals, and they're going to gore on your flesh. I added that in there. And the whole world will know that the God, there is a God in Israel. Yeah? So good. <laughs> right. Goliath comes to him and he's like, Whoa, um, why have you got a stick? Am I a dog? That's what he says. And my dog. And David's like, yeah. Uh, um, but he's like, yeah, I come in the name of the Lord. I know who I am. I'm a son. I know what it is to receive love. I, I have no identity problem here. I might be the youngest son and the smallest one. But I don't have any issues with being accepted and, and you know, my belonging even though the dude was out in the field by himself for years and years. And all his brothers were invited to the, f- to the fight in the army, and he was left out. But he didn't have insecurities because of that. He knew who he was. So he, uh, he declares that, yeah, he's going to win this battle before it starts, which I think is quite radical. Like some people... Uh, Say we're being triumphalistic to say that, you know, we're going to win every battle, right? Um, but actually, I, I think if we don't say that, we make allowances for loss. Thanks. I'll just let that sit. I made that up on the spot. So I can't. I can't remember what I said. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> Anyway, to understand warfare, I think we need to go back to the very beginning. Genesis 3.15, there's this amazing scripture that is popped in there. And it says, And I will put enmity between thee and the woman, and between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. Right? So just after he's messed everything up uh, for Adam and Eve, um, there's this scripture in there, and it's, it's like an ancient promise at the very beginning where the Lord says to the serpent, you're cursed. You're going to roll around on your belly, eat dust, and there's going to be enmity between you and the woman, her seed, and you're going to bruise uh, your head. The enemy's going to have his head bruised, right? And Adam and Eve are going to have their heels bruised. How does that happen? How do you bruise your heel, right? Yeah, just yeah, running. No, <laughs> yeah, stomping on the enemy's head so bad that you hurt your heel in the process. So it's an ancient, pro- uh, ancient promise right there that actually um, everything that God produces in us and through us is warfare. If God's producing something in you, character, compassion, love, whatever it is, it's for warfare. And it gets to be used to cause the enemy to be confused and exasperated and frustrated and anxious. And I want to show you uh, some tools, if we've got time. We're just going to have time uh, to be able to do that. <laughs> so it's all about intimidation. Do you know that scripture, um, 
Someone tell me where it is. Where the spies go out into the land and, uh, you know, 12 spies from the Israelites, one of each tribe, and they go and check out the promised land and um, they're, they're the biggest, they're the best, like they're the mighty champions of Israel. Um, these are no wimps. These are killers, right? And um, they're the roughest looking and they come back, they all come back with a bad report. They're really overwhelmed. They're like, man, there's, there's, we look like grasshoppers in their sight, right? Um, they're all big, they're all giants, and we're puny. And uh, the only two people to come back with a different report are Joshua and Caleb. Yeah? Joshua and Caleb are like, yeah, but God's with us. Yeah? It's, if God's pleased with us, then we don't need to fear these people because they're rebellious and God's protection is with us. And actually, uh, we should be the ones that are intimidating them. But do you know where that came from? Those two characters in the Bible are the only ones out of the, the crew, the spies, the 12 spies, that had a known record of intimacy with God. Right? Yes. Thank you. There we go. See, Moses would go in and out of the, the, the tabernacle, the, the tent of meeting. But Josh, he would stay there. Like Josh would stay there because the presence of God would come down and he didn't want to leave. You know, he knew what intimacy was like. See, uh, Caleb, it was said of Caleb that he was a man of a different spirit. How awesome is that? Man, that God would say that of you and me, that we were men and women of a different spirit. Yeah, And so these two guys knew who they were. They had intimacy with the Father. They had experienced His presence. They, they didn't have uh, illegitimate son issues. <laughs> they knew that the promise was going to be fulfilled, and they weren't intimidated by the enemy. See, you're either a victim or a target. There's no middle ground. You're either a victim or a target. We all know what it feels like to be a victim sometimes, but if you're a target, it's actually just because uh, for the enemy, God has been enlarging something in, in you that uh, he can't avoid you, right? Like his presence within you increases your presence before the enemy. That's why you're a target. So the more you have in God, the more you can actually take from the evil one. I think I said this before, but if you don't see yourself winning every time, you make allowance to lose. But whose who's, who's lives are going to be affected if we lose battles? You know? Or if you don't even show up to the fight, who will be affected? What kind of fighter goes into the fight thinking that they're going to lose? So David's attitude... Um, was that he was super eager to prove that God was more powerful. In fact, it says that he ran into the battle. Like he ran in with his stick and stones. He ran into the battle. He ran towards Goliath and he yells, I'm going to take the head, your head and the head of all your mates. All right? And I come in the name of the Lord. There was nothing uh, ambivalent about what he was saying. He was really overt, really direct. He just couldn't wait to get out there. And he didn't need to have any equipment with him. Uh, because what he did, and this is the key, this is the tool I want to show you tonight. What he did is he used the enemy's tools against him. Right? So he takes his stone out and I don't know how that thing works. Has anyone used one of those? I'm assuming you just swing it around and let go of some stage and it 
Yeah. Anyway, hit Goliath straight dead in the forehead. Goliath falls down on the deck, falls down face forwards, bows down in worship, prophetic act right there. And acknowledging that David's God is the Lord, David runs over to him, grabs Goliath's own sword, right? His own sword, which must have been huge, kills him and then goes over and stands above him and hacks off his head. He uses the enemy's own weapons against them, right? I'm just skipping a whole bunch of stuff here. Just don't mind me. Um, So what does it look like to use uh, the enemy's weapons against him, right? Uh, Well, it, it looks like acting out of the opposite spirit. Okay, this morning we talked about love being kind of self-denial, as in denying myself, right? Not delusion, denying myself, sacrifice, yeah? So what does it look like to act out of the opposite spirit? Every time uh, Livia and I have a fight, Livia's my wife, we've been married for like 14 years, so there's been a couple, um, just a couple, yeah. And, uh, <laughs> um, but I mean the ones that didn't end well, you know, like I'm out of here, see you later, uh, those kind of fights, don't pretend that they don't exist. Uh, family's pastor. Every time I try, and I say I try, but I try to choose to act out of the opposite spirit. And so, yeah, I might be angry, I might be hurt, I might be upset, but what does it look like to act out of the opposite spirit? So I remember the first time we had a head of fight, I went out and I bought an engagement ring. That was our first fight. That was our first argument because I was acting out of the opposite spirit because God had called us to be together. We knew that. And I was just like, we can't muck this up. So what does it look like to be obedient even when we don't feel like it? Thanks. (laughs) So if he wants to destroy something in us, then look for something that's going to give you life because it's right there. You know, like we have to make a choice. And I love this story just because it's fun. David cuts off Goliath's head and he holds it up and everyone's cheering. Go cheer. That's better. And he stuffs it into a pack and save bag. And then the handles rip off because it was paper. And so he goes and pays 20 cents and he gets a decent bag. But then he carries it around with him for ages. And like he, he, the king, the first thing the king asks is like, dude, David, show us the head, right? And so he goes around showing everybody the head. It's so funny. He, um, yeah, <laughs> it's brilliant. He, <laughs> I can just imagine like all the little kids in Israel lined up along the street, like Elisha and Ezekiel, and uh, he's like running along with the head, and they're like, ole, 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 oi Dave, show us the head, and he's like, yeah, boo, <laughs> blood and stuff. Um, anyway, where am I going? I'm going somewhere, don't you worry. Uh, so Jesus gave us a real big clue, right? Uh, his, his clue is in Matthew 16, 24. It'll come up on the screen. Nah. Um, he gave us this principle of how to do it. Essentially, 
he says, he says this, if anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself. Jesus says to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. For whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for my sake will find it. So the principle is this, the moment you deny yourself, you've moved yourself, you've removed yourself from the realm of the enemy because he can't control you anymore. Spiritual warfare, yeah? And that is what love looks like. This is what love looks like. Daily choices to deny self-preservation. So the devil believes that above all else, humanity will choose self-preservation. How do I know? Job 2.4. The devil says that skin for skin, a man will give all that he has for his own life. That's what they believe. Dan, Dan Moller, Meller, how, how do you say that? I had this vision in like the 80s where he goes into hell. And it wasn't a pleasant experience, but he knew that's where he was. There was all these demonic beings around, and they were all rejoicing. And he was back in history at this moment in time where Jesus was laying on a cross. And so they were all rejoicing. They were like, we've won. We've, you know, we've, we've beaten, the, beaten God himself. We're amazing. And then there's this moment where they all turn because Jesus is raising from the grave and he raises from the dead. There's resurrection power. And they all look around at each other and they're freaking out and they're going spares and they are screaming at each other and they're like, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And they turn to this one tall being with a hood on who you know is Lucifer and they're like, let's kill him. It's like that moment when David is in Ziklag and all the uh, Philistines steal um, their women and children and the, all his mighty men turn and look at him and like, let's kill David, right? So they look at him and they're like, let's, let's kill him. Let's, let's, let's smash him. It's your fault. This, we knew this wouldn't work. We shouldn't have followed you. We shouldn't have done it. And uh, he just yells out, silence, takes his hood off, and they all go silent. And I, w- I would have thought he'd say something like this, skin for skin, a man will give all that he has for his own life. He gave away his plot. And in this vision, Dan Myler says that he saw the enemy's scheme was essentially, oh, don't worry, they won't learn to love one another. They will prefer themselves. So even though, yes, Jesus won, even though, yes, they're free, even though love now abounds, even though he now comes and takes residence and lives inside of us, thanks, worship team, even though all of that, they won't be aware of it because they'll be too wrapped up in themselves and we'll just distract them. So, there are some keys for us to personal breakthrough. If you want to annoy the enemy, if you want to confuse him, then you have to learn to take his attacks to your advantage. Because there's this battle going on for the mind, right? You have to turn every attack into an opportunity uh, to cleanse your thoughts and to renew your heart. 
renew your thinking. So what does that look like? It looks like every time a negative thought comes, you attack it in prayer. Like you take it captive and you release the opposite thought back down that channel. So an anxious thought comes and you pray a prayer of thanksgiving. You know, like a lustful thought comes and you pray for purity. It's the opposite spirit. And do you know what's going to happen? Eventually, eventually, he will stop attacking you in that area because he knows that his attack against you is only going to make you stronger. It's only making you better. It's only helping you die to self and live to Christ. It's helping you love. And that's what the mind of Christ is all about. You turn selfishness into a desire to give. You, 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 sometimes you feel that desire to withhold yourself. And instead, you, you act out of the opposite spirit. You be generous. It's, uh, it's denying myself. It's the number one principle in Scripture for us to operate in spiritual warfare and mess with the enemy. Act out of love. He can't predict that. He's got no radar for that. He doesn't get that. He doesn't know what it is to love, so he's not going to be able to predict your next move. You're out of his scope. He can't see what you're doing. Oh, my goodness. What's happening? Jared's acting out of love. I can't mess with him now. Like... He's gone incognito. He's not on my radar. Oh no, what's he going to do next? I can't find him. Acting out of love. Cool. If you could jump to your feet, that'd be awesome. I'm just going to land this with some prayer. Yeah, Father God, just think about that image that you gave me earlier in the night about the leashes and the collars and all that. And I know that there's things that we've been caught up in. There's things that have held us back, held us back from you, from just even going to you. And I just ask for freedom all over this place tonight, Lord God, that you would be setting us free from everything that holds us back from you that you would be setting us free. Free to love. Free to love as you had intended. Free to be selfless. Free to prefer the other, to defer to the other. Free to lay our lives down. Father, there's a bunch of us in here that have been in the battleground. And we haven't felt like we'd been winning. We haven't felt like we've had uh, any weapons to our spiritual warfare, to our artillery. And Lord God, I pray that you would equip us tonight supernaturally 
that by your divine power, you would come into this room and you would unlock revelation in our hearts that we would see we have weapons of warfare. To deny ourselves, to step out of the enemy's view and to love. So we just ask that you would set us free to love tonight. Teach us what it is to deny ourselves. And teach us what it is to act out of the opposite spirit.